So we're going to read from the first chapter. Philemon. And I'm just going to read the first three verses. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The title of the message tonight is A Wonderful Relationship of Service. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege that we have to open your word tonight. I pray as we look into the, your word that you'd encourage us, strengthen us, and help, me, help us to find comfort and assurance in thy word tonight. And may you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you think about the uh, message I preached Sunday morning, Religion, what did I title? Religion, bondage, or liberty? I think that's what it was. Anyway, um, as you, if you were to study all the religions of the world, you'll find that um, all of them, except Bible-believing Christianity, has some form of works somewhere along the way. Um, it has some form of coercion in it, evolved in it, to get you to do certain things, or some motive to do things so that you can appease your God, whatever it may be. Uh, but Bible-believing Christianity is not like that. It's not like that. We have this wonderful relationship of service, and I, want, and I have three things tonight I want to look at from the first three verses here, and then um, I have some subpoints, three subpoints on the third point. But first of all, we see, first of all, a willing servant. In verse 1, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, the word prisoner means one in bonds, a captive. Now, we would call that today a slave, a slave. And Paul uses that terminology in several places. In, uh, uh, in fact, most, most, many of his epistles, when he wrote to the churches, he would use the word prisoner or a similar word, the word servant. Uh, for example, Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. And then in the book of Ephesians, uh, two times in Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 1, and also chapter 4, verse 1, uh, he refers to himself as, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Then again in verse, chapter 4, verse 1, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Uh, and then again in Philippians chapter 1, he calls himself a servant, or uh, he calls him and Timothy servants of Jesus Christ. Uh, and then again in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 24, he says, the servant of the Lord. Talking about Timothy being a pastor, he says, "You're the servant as a servant of the Lord. You must not strive, but be gentle on them all, all men." When he writes to Titus in that pastoral epistle, he says, "I, Paul, the servant." Again, and even Peter understood this principle in Second Peter chapter two and verse one in his second epistle. He says, "Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle." 
So what you have, but what you have here is not what we would think of as a servant or a slave. Because it's one who is a servant or a prisoner by their own choice. Willingly. Uh, you know, the best example we have in the Bible of a servant is found in John chapter 13. If you turn over there, John chapter 13. <clears throat> and, you know, this is just, just, this, this is just an illustration of servanthood. It's not, Jesus isn't telling us we need to have an ordinance of foot washing. Uh, but John chapter 13, he says, now, verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, and Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, and the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things in his hand, that he was come from God and went to God. So here's the Son of God, God in the flesh. And... And think about what he's about to do. He rises from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water in a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? In other words, Lord, you aren't washing my feet. That's what he's sort of saying. Jesus answered unto him, What I do thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. You aren't stooping to wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore he said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was sat down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Notice this. Ye call me Master and Lord. And ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given unto you, given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily I... Verily I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. So this is the greatest example of a servant that you can have. Um, see, it's not above, it should not be above us to serve one another. You know, in, in Bible times, you know, the, the, the master of the house would, you know, this was a common practice in Bible times. You know, when you walk the streets of dirt, and usually they had sandals, and your feet would get dusty with your travels, and so you'd come into a, to a, to a, to a person's house that would invite you as a guest, and you'd sit down, and one of the first things that would happen is a servant of the master would come around and wash your feet. A servant. That was a job for a servant. Not the master of the house. But here Jesus does it. And he said, yeah, I am your master and Lord. But I'm also the servant of the Lord. Uh, so, so it's a great example. And, this is, and he did this willingly, of his own free will. 
Go to Ephesians chapter five or Ephesians chapter six. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter six. It says servants, and again, think about this a willing servant here, one by choice. Uh, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eyes servant as men pleasers, but as the service of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will doing service as the Lord and not to man, knowing the whatsoever good thing that any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Now, if you keep it all in context of the book Ephesians, you might say, who is your master? Who is your master scripturally? In, 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 in the, in the, the uh, hierarchy of God's given authority. You know, who, who's the wife's master? Her husband, the children, of course, the parents. Who's the husband's master? Well, it's Christ, and he's love us. Christ love, and Christ ministered, loved the church, and Christ ministered to his church. You think of all the things that he did for his disciples. You know, Peter probably would have bugged me. He was quick to open his mouth. And stick his foot in. But you know, Jesus was so patient with him. You see, he ministered to them. I mean, James and John wanted to call fire down from heaven and destroy the Samaritans. But again, he ministered to them for three and a half years and taught them how to minister. And, and so... Uh, you know, and the life of serving really is a life of joy. Look in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul, Paul made reference to this in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. You know, he, he's headed to Jerusalem, and he knows that trouble is waiting him. But this is what he said. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus testify the gospel of the grace of God. You, know, you think of all the things that he went through to, to endure his ministry, and yet he said, I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I know I'm going to be, I know there's trouble waiting me, but I'm going to finish my course with joy. It brought joy to him to serve his Lord, his master. You might say, well, why don't I have joy in my service? Maybe you have a wrong focus. Are you serving to please the Lord or to make someone happy? Somebody said, if you're just serving to make someone happy, you have the wrong focus in mind, and it isn't going to bring joy. If that, is your, if that is your focus, your reward will only be earthly. See, if your focus is only on people and making people happy, your, your reward will only be earthly. But if your focus is on pleasing the Lord, your reward will be heavenly or spiritual. Um, so we see, the first thing we see here is in this relationship is a, a willing servant, one who is a slave or a prisoner by choice. By choice. The second thing we see is a wonderful master. Paul said this, I, I am the prisoner of the Lord. Um, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. 
and 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 you know to 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 have the Lord Jesus Christ as your master, as your Lord, the one to whom you serve, He's a wonderful master. Isaiah nine six says, "For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon His shoulder, and He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor." Mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 25, 1. O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee, I will praise thy name, for how thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. And again, Isaiah 28, 29. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel, and excellent in working. Psalm 111, verse 4. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Psalm 119, 129. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore doth my soul keep them. And in Acts 22, verse 11, on the day of Pentecost, it was said, the Cretes and Arabians, they said, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. What was the wonderful works of God they were speaking about? Well, it was salvation and redemption. Repent and be baptized. And they said, we hear the wonderful works of God. See, God is wonderful. He's a wonderful master. Our, our Lord, our master, the one we serve, is good. We must understand and believe that he is good. Psalm 109, 21. But do thou for me, O God the Lord, for thy name's sake, because thy mercy is good. Deliver thou me. Remember when the rich young ruler came to Jesus in Luke chapter 18, verse 19, Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is God. Only God's really good. In Psalm 84, verse 11, the verse I really like, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. See, God won't hold, withhold any good from us. If, there, if you think there's something good being withheld from you, it's, for, it's being withheld for your good. Think about it. Our Lord, our Master, is omniscient. That means He knows all things. He's the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the ending. He knows what's best for us and what is not best for us. He, he, knows, he knows where our choices that we desire to make will lead us even before we make them. That's why we should seek his will and not ours. See, he knows all things. Our Lord, our Master is omnipotent. That means he has all power. Matthew 28, 18. All power is given to me in heaven and earth. So he knows how to prepare us and carry us through the trials of life. And they do come. We all know that. The trials of life do come. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Hebrews 2.18, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor, that's an old English word, it means to help, to aid them that are tempted. 
See, he was tempted at all points like as we are yet without sin. He, he knows. He understands. Uh, you see, we have a God that no, not only is all-knowing, but he's all-powerful. So, you know, we have a wonderful master. A wonderful master. Why don't you notice a third thing? Uh, these, this provides us a workable relationship. Now, that may not be the best you know, outline, but it, but it all, got all W's there, you know. A workable relationship. <coughs> now, uh, now, three things here. First of all, again, our service to the Lord is volunteer. We need to talk about that a little bit. But again, Paul said, I, Paul, Paul a prisoner of Jesus Christ. No, he was a prisoner by choice. He willingly, he volunteered for this. He willingly did it. He desired to do it. It brought joy to his heart to do it. You know, Psalm 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Acts 14, 17, Nevertheless he left not himself without witness, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And again in Acts 20, 24, he says, None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. So, you know, it brought joy to him. Acts 13, 52, after the, uh, uh, <clears throat> and I think this was at Thessalonica, it says the disciples were filled with joy. Now, how can you be filled with joy when there's a riot takes place and there's persecution immediately? I mean, the same time the church has started. But they did. They were filled with joy. And with the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and speaking of that, in 1 Thessalonians 1 6, he says, You can be a follower of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So this is this is a service. You know, it's a worker relationship, partly because this service is volunteer. You know, we have a our military is supposed to be all volunteers, you know. And uh and, and, and I heard one, one uh, he's retired now, but he was a major, said it's the greatest volunteer army in the world. No others have volunteer armies like we do. But, you know, you know this is the greatest, greatest uh, uh, volunteer service anyone can give in the world is to be a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ and the most rewarding. Secondly, our master, as we think about a workable relationship, it's workable because our master is not burdensome. You know, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, our Lord is not a burdensome taskmaster. Did you ever, did you ever read what Muslims are supposed to do every day? Um, 
all the birds, in fact, it was Bill Barron's, I think it was. Yeah, I know it was. <coughs> Bill Barron's, of course, was raised Catholic. And he was in, uh, um, Kansas, trying to think of the place. Anyway, in Kansas, and I think it's Marysville is the name of the town. Um, uh, he wasn't preaching. There was another church close there, but but anyway, he, he in in this I think it's called Marysville, and there's a the the largest Catholic uh, seminary for, um, and I'm trying to remember what they call them. Anyway, they're what they call Orthodox Catholics. It's not part of the Catholic Church, the main Catholic Church. They're not part of that. They they say the the main Catholic Church is a bunch of liberals. All these. If you saw their women walking on the streets, they'd look like Mennonites. That's how they dressed. Conservative men. That's, that's sort of what they dress like. And they still do all their, all everything's in Latin, you know. It's, it's, anyway, he, he was in, a, he was in a, a, a restaurant there, and this guy walked in, came in, and he struck a couple of conversation with him, and the guy was studying for the priesthood. And he began to talk with him. And he said, uh, uh, one of the things he said to him was, he said, the reason my religion, I don't, and I'm not sure the wording he used, but my religion is better than yours is because your religion, you don't know what your religion expects of you. He said, if you come in here and there were no prices on the, there was a menu with items, but there was no prices. And you had to decide what to pay. Would you know what to pay? And he said, no. He said, isn't your religion like that? He said, over here it tells you one thing, and over here it tells you something else, and they're constantly changing it. He said, it's burdensome. He said, my God never changes. And you got all these rules and regulations and rituals you have to go through. He said, I got liberty in Christ. You see, religion is burdensome. In fact, Jesus said of the Pharisees, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. 1 John 5, 3, John said, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. And again, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, tells us there's no temptation in you but such as is common to man but God is faithful will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it so God will not give us more than we can bear Romans 12 1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your what reasonable service the word reasonable means Pertaining to reason or logic. In other words, God isn't going to ask you to do stupid, illogical things that are unreasonable. He's not an unreasonable taskmaster. Everything he commands that he instructs us in his word is for our good for our good and his glory
<clears throat> you, know, you know, just the religions that I'm familiar with, they are burdensome. They're burdensome. And people, what they do is they look for ways to get around the, the rules and regulations. You know, the zippers and snaps and buttons. And I mean, I've got some nice furniture from them. This is a relative of mine, actually. I was at work one day, and this relative of mine, she was Amish. She said, uh, could you use a recliner? And this was before I was married. I said, yeah. She said, well, we got one. It has wings. In other words, it's got, you know, it come out, you know, what wings on a chair are. It's probably an, an old thing. But anyway, she said, the preachers told us the other day we need to get rid of it. Well, I'll take it. See, religion is burdensome. It's illogical. It's not even reasonable. I mean, study Catholicism. It doesn't have to make sense as long as it puts money into the coffers of the Roman Catholic Church. So, our, again, so our master is not burdensome. Thirdly, this relationship because it is voluntary, because our master is not burdensome, it gives liberty in our relationships. Now notice verses 1 through 3. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier. It's believed that Aphia was Philemon's wife, most believe that she was his wife, and that Archippus was most likely his son, who they believe was the pastor of the church at Colossae. Anyway, it says, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, now, now I want you to notice something here. Timothy, our brother, Philemon, dearly beloved, Aphia, Beloved, Archippus, fellow the soldier, fellow soldier. Uh, which we know what a brother is, but the word beloved here means esteemed dear or favorite. Um, fellow laborer means a companion, a labor, or work the idea of workers together. A fellow soldier, an associate in labors and conflicts for the cause of Christ. So like be two people working together or, or you know joining together in battle. And you have to work together in battle. So, as you think about those terms and those descriptions, with relationships like this, brought together by one master. One master. That's the key, by the way. Does not that give each liberty in encouraging one another? do right asking help of one another instructing one another helping one another grow in the Lord even correcting one another now we'll, we'll, we'll see here later on but Paul here in this book is about to ask Philemon something that contradicts normal Roman custom Onesimus was a runaway slave by Philemon. And Roman custom was 
he'd probably be crucified if he returned to his master. But Paul here is asking for that not to happen because a change has been made, a drastic change. Onesimus also is now a brother. So as we think about, you know, this, this, you know, the, this gives us liberty in our relationships, sort of like a family. Sort of like a family. Um, or Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians 4, verse 1, I therefore, the person of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, is even, even as ye are called and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Uh, so, so again, here he he talks about you know walking or lowliness and meekness and long suffering, forbearing one another. You know, in your own home, that Colossians talks about this in the family relationships. Sometimes you forbear one another. In other words, you know you've got you've got husband and wife and however many children. And they all have got minds. And the older they get, the more they think for themselves. Which, that's okay. As long as they think right. Uh, and so, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be things that, you know, there's things that my wife does that I don't like. That I wouldn't do. I can tell this because she isn't here, but. You know, one of, one of the things that her folks always did, you know, I wear my shoes in the house. I always say I live in my house. Now, I don't come in the house with dirty boots more than ten times in my life, but anyway. Uh, you know, I, I don't do that. I try not to. I try to clean them off before I come in. But I like to wear my shoes. I don't like going bare feet or stocking feet. I really don't care for that. But her, fam her family, you know, they came to the door. They took off their shoes. They run around barefoot all the time. And there the shoes were right at the door. I hated that. I put up with it for a long time. I still put up with it if somebody would do it, you know, but I never did like it. I used it for a sermon illustration one time and she quit it. But anyway, um, I didn't do it for that reason. I'm, I would just say, but praise the Lord, anyway. Uh, but, but I was just using that as an illustration. Sometimes you have to prepare. There, is there anything wrong with letting your shoes by the door? Is there anything doctrinally wrong with that? No. No. You know, she puts the toilet paper on this way, and I want to put it on this way. Now she puts it on the right way. Um, you know, there, there are things that we're, because we think different. And one guy said, you know, women look through pink glasses and men look through blue glasses. 
and here blue and you know anyway so so you know there's things we have to be forbearing with one another and the same is true in the church but because we have one lord and one faith we can work together you know, it's and i hate to use compare them to this but it's like we do have the same that we are serving. So we all get the same orders. We may have different jobs in the body, but we all have the same person given the orders, so to speak. So um, <clears throat> look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Again. Colossians chapter 3. If you then, verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. So if a servant dies to his own will, and that's the idea of dying to your own will. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And then drop down to verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him, where there is neither... Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. In other words, there are no distinctions in the body as far as, well, he was a barbarian, but he was a Jew. Or he's a slave. By the way, they had slaves in the churches back then. They still had them. But you know that slave had the same privileges in the church as a free man. He maybe did not in the world, but he did in the church. There's no, there's no difference with the Lord. No one is above another in Christ. We will all answer to the same Lord. Verse 25. But he that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Doesn't matter which title is. There's no respect of persons with God. Don't matter what you were, what position you may have in society. It doesn't matter. And so, Paul said when he wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 5.13, For brethren, ye have been called under liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You see, God wants us, as Paul said of himself, to say, we're servants of the Lord. We'll willingly do it. It's our choice. And we have a wonderful master. And he has given us this workable relationship wherein we can serve him in a body that functions like a family, that instructs and edifies, as Ephesians, he told Ephesians, edifies itself in love. Uh, so might God help us 
to serve the Lord joyfully, knowing that we do have a wonderful master, a wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we are privileged to have this working relationship wherein we can serve him in the body, the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for these examples that it gives to us and the instruction it gives to us. And I pray you help each of us to understand these truths and, and help us to serve thee joyfully, willfully, with our heart, our soul, and our mind. So just, just thank you again for your, for your love for us. And uh, we pray in Jesus' name.